You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. We have been moving through this Beatitude series and seeing how the blessedness of kingdom life is really so very countercultural. Kingdom blessings and how we receive them are really so very upside down to the world's image of blessing and how we think we receive them or earn them. I believe this series is a merciful invitation to really have an honest look at the state of our hearts in the light of God's glorious grace and the truth of his word. And this is beautiful because it's to ensure we don't miss the full Makarios blessing of true kingdom life. After all, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. We've learned spiritual bankruptcy is a blessing, mourning is a blessing, meekness as shared by Steve last week is a blessing. Isn't it just like our gracious God to reframe a word like meek, that to most of us means puny, to have weakness or no backbone, and God reveals it actually means disciplined strength and nobility of character, and suddenly meekness is desirable and it's a blessing. So here's the next blessing in our series. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I've added me, my bread, and my word, for they will be filled. Hunger. We're all acquainted with hunger. Our stomachs growl, it's embarrassing. We don't like being hungry, it's uncomfortable. But you know, in our world of modern conveniences where there's a corner store and there's incredible social support systems in place, I'm not sure we really grasp the full extent of the hunger Jesus is really talking about here. It's not about being a little bit peckish for a little something. It's about a desperate hunger that will drive a man to distraction. You think about Les Miserables and the story of Jean Valjean. That whole story is about a piece of bread He did whatever it took to get a piece of bread and he paid the price for the rest of his life. But of course, God always has redemption in mind. Hunger is a God-given gift to alert us to our truest needs that must be filled simply in order to live. Babies are not mentored in the spiritual practices of hunger and thirst. They just do and they cry until they're satisfied. It's that simple. And if they get the correct nourishment in the correct amounts at the correct times, these babies will grow and thrive and live. Human hearts need good nourishment too, in the correct amounts at the correct times, like love, kindness, correction, the grace and permission to make mistakes. Human hearts need joy and sadness. And all the same principles apply for life in the spirit. I had some notes, but I think the word says it better. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 11. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit that lives within you. And that so made me think of Matthew 7, I think it is. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that we need for life to our mortal bodies, clothes, food, etc., will be added as well. So here we are in the Beatitudes and everyone's come and they've gathered and Jesus is set to teach and we've gone through the first three. And then I kind of see it at this point, Jesus presents the menu of the kingdom of God and he presents this menu and it's got one item on it, righteousness. Like what? Who goes to a restaurant and there's one thing on the menu? Imagine that in today's context, everyone would be going, hmm, I don't know what's in that. Is there a gluten-free option available? Can you make that with oat milk, please? Can you take this out or that out? I don't like this, but I really love that. And on it goes, and oh my gosh, he offers righteousness. And at this point, it's all or nothing. Jesus knows, just like our mums, eat it. Is good for you. And do you know what? Jesus knows more than our mums. Sorry, mum. <laughs> do you know when I was younger, we used to eat dinner in the bedroom to watch the separate TV and anything we didn't like on our plates, eh, Christian? We'd scrape it out the bedroom window into the garden. <laughs> oh, that, that's why mum's garden flourished. <laughs> Righteousness is actually a really difficult thing to truly define. It is impossible to list the ingredients that actually make up the meal Jesus is really presenting to the people here. Intellectually, we know it's got something to do with having right standing with God, and Jesus' work on the cross gives us that. Righteousness is a, we know it's about having certain qualities, seen and unseen like purity, integrity, which outworks into clean living and good deeds that others see. Righteousness is akin to holiness, but that's still not it. What is it? And I've really wrestled with that as I was preparing this message for you this morning. Because I fear if I intellectualize righteousness this morning, I might miss the powerful and holy heart of righteousness. Because honestly, I think righteousness is all is more perceived with the heart than understood with the head. And as I thought about how to present righteousness today in a way that stirs our hearts and doesn't just fill our heads, I suddenly thought of a beautiful living example I have the blessing of experiencing every week. Every Tuesday morning when I come to this place, I open the office doors out there and I am filled with the heavenly aroma of fresh baking bread. Week after week, Cindy Cochran faithfully bakes a loaf of communion bread for us that make the staff and interns here at Elam. The smell is incredible. It fills every corridor, every stairwell, every office, every nose. Who doesn't like the smell of fresh bread? It always smells welcoming, warm and comforting. Fresh bread smells like home. It smells like the promise of a meal. If I wasn't hungry before I arrived, I sure am now. (laughs) 
The aroma of the bread awakens a hunger in me I didn't know I had. And as I try to do my work, I am driven to distraction by the beautiful aroma of fresh bread. Bread is all I can think about. Bread is all I want. Bread is what I'm hungry for and nothing else will satisfy. When I finally get to eat the bread, it tastes so good. And if Shannon doesn't eat it all, I'll always go and have seconds. (laughs) Oh, yep, sure I can. Excuse me. providing my own rhythm section this morning. (laughs) And so in this pleasant train of thought, I suddenly realized exactly what righteousness is and why it's a blessing to be hungry for it. Because righteousness in all its fullness is not a what, but a magnificent who. It's Jesus. How can we possibly define the ingredients that make up Jesus? He is undefinable. He's the word at the beginning. He is the alpha and the omega. He's savior to the sinner and sight to the blind. He's our blessed assurance that we've been saved and born again. But mostly he's bread to the hungry and water to the thirsty. And I love that about Jesus. He is the creator of heaven and earth and all that fills them. And yet he chooses to come to us as a common loaf because he knows The aroma of bread awakens appetites, and he fully intends to satisfy our every need because bread always fills and it always satisfies. Jesus declared, I am the bread, righteousness and word, my words of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So this morning, I just want to paint a bit of a picture about Jesus and what he does and what he did through telling a story and sharing some thoughts. The painting will have the appearance of being a bit abstract, perhaps. Some of the brush strokes might seem a bit broad, but I'm hoping when we stand back at the end, the image of Jesus and his love, his righteousness, his kindness, his good hands will be apparent and clear. And now I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, the master craftsman sent a beautiful piece of green leather to the earth. He loved what he had made. She was beautiful. She was full of potential, full of promise. He had made her in her image. He had green in him too. She had dreams in her heart, desires in her soul. So she set off into the world with a song in her heart. She loved to sing. She really loved to make things with her hands. She loved how it made other people feel when she sang songs. However, she had a hungry heart. The world was her supermarket. And who knows, it's never a good time to go to the supermarket when you're hungry. So she ate all the wrong things in all the wrong places. And because you are what you eat, slowly this beautiful piece of green leather, she got a bit damaged. She got a bit sad. She was pretty lonely. And she ate and she ate and she ate and she ate all the things she thought she wanted to eat. She almost ate herself to death. 
And right at that moment, she really thought she might die. She smelled bread. The smell of fresh bread. And it awakened her to something so much more. Not long after that, she ate a little bit more of the world. She hadn't forgotten the fragrance of the bread, however. And she fell to the floor one Tuesday evening in a lounge room in a town not far from here. And the bread came back. And she lifted her eyes just enough and realized it was Jesus. And with all that was within her, the last little bit of strength she had, she threw everything she had into the arms of her Savior, into the hands of her Maker. Do you know what? He's so good. This is what righteousness does. For he who knew no sin became sin, that in him we might be the righteousness of God. And he straightened her up, cleaned her off with his own hands, forgave her sin, she was completely new. And that brings us to chapter two. So she enters the kingdom of God. She's been born again. She comes to church, very interestingly, one of the first times she comes to church, Manila Stewart is leading worship. <laughs> and suddenly she's looking around and she's seeing why, she, why certain things just have always ticked her boxes. And she's suddenly going, actually, this is what I was made for. This is what I was born for. This is why I love doing what I am doing. And she's hungry. She's hungry. She's asking God for more. So one day he leads her to a table. says, this is my word. This is the fullness of my word. And he begins to teach her. Psalm 119 verse 123 to 24 says, my eyes fail looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. Those are hungry eyes. Deal with your servant according to your love and teach me your decrees. So she sits at the table with the master craftsman. And she realizes as she looks around, there's so many things that are familiar. She understands what they do because she's a craftsman too. She's been made in his image. And he begins to teach her from his word. He teaches her first and foremost about the word of God, the absolute word of God. And he tells her that it's not a list of rules and regulations to measure up to, but they're statutes and decrees. And it's a nobility thing. It's something to uphold and not just to tick boxes. By the way, I have two words of God. One is longer, one is shorter, because uh, this is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. <laughs> She teaches, he teaches her about the cutting mat, which is an altar of worship. You lay down on this thing and you say to the master craftsman, not my will be done, but yours. 
This is a place of worship. He teaches her about suffering. Because suffering isn't a bad thing. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And there would be times in the leather's journey where she would reach that point of hope again and he would always fill her because blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will be filled again and again and again. He's teaching her. Well, you know what? Life gets busy, places to go, people to see, right? Kids to run around in the car, jobs to go to, money to earn, grocery shopping. I've got my countdown card in here. I've got my bank card, kind of represents my life. I've got my family here. I'm a daughter, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a friend. Busy, life gets busy. And the green piece of leather found she was going to the table of his word, less and less. That's okay, he sat there patiently because he knew when she got hungry enough, she'd be back. And she did go back. And she'd go, and she'd come back, and she'd go. Because she'd tasted that love right in the beginning and honestly, it ruined her appetite for anything else ever again. Nothing else compares. I've searched the world for a love that can fill my heart, but nothing compares to his love. At this stage, she was really tasting and seeing the fullness of his word as she was allowing him to apply it to her heart because it's not just about reading words. We can't just snack on the go and have something on the run because it's not about what's on the table, it's who's at the table. It's always about going back to the bread, back to the bread, back to the bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus, just give me today what I need for today because tomorrow will take care of itself. She's hungry. She's tasting and she's wanting more and she's tasting and she's wanting more. So in her desire for truest transformation, beautiful leather commits to a year-long intensive study of his word. She entrusts her whole heart into his whole hands and she makes him her Lord. I just wanna say, how often we say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and we're really okay with the Savior part, but the Lord part can take a little longer to really make him Lord. Chapter three, righteousness tests us and transforms us. I haven't been reading the chapters to you, have I? I'm so sorry. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit their own soul? At that point that she commits to this really intensive study of God's Word, all of a sudden...
a matter of eight weeks, her cat that she loves more than life itself, <laughs> she comes home from worship practice one night, finds him lying in the stones yowling and he's broken his hip. Off they go to the vet. Cyclone Gabriel hits two days later. Her youngest daughter is enduring bullying at school and she watches her brave girl every day head off to work and faith, you know, stand up for what is right. Her middle girl, Amelia, heads back off to university. a hole in her heart and a hole in her home. She has COVID. Her eldest daughter has a car accident. She's okay, but it's never a nice phone call to get. She is learning to study in this committed study. She's learning to write assignments. She's still cooking food. And at the end of all of that, her beloved granddad dies. But she knows where she needs to go because she's sat at the table and she's learned the goodness and the fullness of his word. When we've got nothing else, our souls, our hearts, they cry out like David. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you, and your righteous right hand upholds me. So she worships him. She puts her whole self on the cutting mat. And he cuts with his kind hands. And he cuts away all the parts that really don't matter, the parts that aren't true to who she is. This is the work of righteousness in us. The sewing machine represents just that faithful, steady walk. Even, even when everything else is falling down and you just feel like the weight of the world is on top of you, it just, there's something about it that just goes and goes and goes and it cooks dinners and it goes to work and your heart is literally feeling like it's being ripped out of your chest, but you just keep going. That is the walk of faith. When the eight weeks is up, two days after her granddad's funeral, she lies on her couch and she cries and cries and cries. She honestly has nothing left. She desperately needs bread and water. And luckily, because of time spent at the table, in his word, he is teaching her. Time spent in worship where she's beheld how very good he is. She goes back to the place of worship, back to the place, back to the table, to the one who's sitting at the table, and says, Jesus, give me this day my daily bread. And here's the thing. Even in all the overwhelm of stuff, he is always working. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. 
He has been transforming her from the inside out. And he has made something beautiful. She feels like she's been cut into a hundred pieces. But the master craftsman knows exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. Righteousness transforms us from the inside out. And this brings me to chapter four. Righteousness reveals his faithfulness and it fills us. So she's been cut into all these pieces with all the struggles and everything that's been going on. And he's used the knives and he's, he's used the heat of the iron and he's used the consistent monotony of the sewing machine. And she sees the sparkly things on the table and she really wants the sparkly things. They'll come, it's okay. She loves the sparkly thread. He, she doesn't know what he's doing, but there's things on the table that she really loves. But she just has to trust the master craftsman because he knows what he's doing with a life. And when all is said and done, that beautiful piece of green leather, something amazing happens. He puts his own kind hands. Actually, do you know what? I just wanna say, look at that mess. Look at that inside out mess. What even is it? Because that's the result of the end of eight weeks of just honestly craziness. It doesn't look like anything. It's got threads hanging off it. There's glue on it. It's, it's wrinkled. It honestly looks like nothing, nothing. This was me lying on the couch, crying and crying and crying after my granddad's funeral, nothing. What are you doing? But I know that you're good because I've tasted. I'm hungry. I've tasted and I've seen time and time again that God is good. And that is why we can trust Him. And this is what hunger does. This is why hunger is a blessing because it always, always draws us back to the table and back to bread. So <laughs> this is where I was going with that. He puts His own beautiful hands, His kind hands, his really trustworthy, faithful hands. And he turns her the right way out. And he pushes out the corners that have been really deflated. And he stuffs her insides back in. She's got a mouth for praising and worshipping and eating. She's also got a zip to know when to zip it. Yeah, God knows what he's doing, right? <laughs> and here's the thing. Look at what he's made. God has done this righteousness, the work of righteousness in us through Christ Jesus has done this. This leather doesn't have any hands that really matter. This leather could never do this. Takes masterful, kind, beautiful hands. And he takes this and he does this. Now, this isn't very useful. This is useful. Seek ye first his kingdom 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added. All the things I worry about, my job, my money, grocery shopping, there's a spotlight loyalty card in here because I spend a lot of money there. (laughs) All these things will be added. Places to go, people to see, kids to run around, ministries to throw my whole heart into. All these things will be added. Don't worry about them, Sarah. I've got it. Hmm, my family. All these things will be added. I just wanna, we are gonna have communion. I'm running on time, I know, but I just wanna share a story that actually is really fresh. And it's just about seeing the fullness of the blessing of God that actually He He gives us. Last Friday, uh, my husband and I and our youngest daughter, we went to Auckland to buy her first ball dress. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I hadn't finished this yet, and it actually wasn't for the message at all. This is just what's come out. And I sensed him say, I want you to finish that purse, and that's the purse you take to Auckland with you. Well, I've learned to trust that unction, so I didn't have much time, but I finished it off, and I put my cards in here, and off we went to Auckland to buy this first ball dress. We got to the store, it's two stories. There's upstairs and there's downstairs. Upstairs is absolutely beautiful, totally out of our budget. But me and my daughter, we had a look around because we love sparkly things, who doesn't? Um, And we enjoyed all that lavishness that was just totally out of our budget. And then I said to her, well, come on, let's go downstairs, that's our budget. After an hour of trying on every dress downstairs, she still hadn't found the one. And I just kind of thought, let's just pop upstairs for a minute because maybe there's something on sale or whatever. And we went up and the owner of the store was there, beautiful Asian woman. She was gorgeous. She had a little dog following her around. And she said, hello, I help you. And I said, oh, well, we're just looking up here. And she says, I help you find perfect dress. And I said, well, thank you. We've looked downstairs. We're just looking upstairs just, you know, to see. Um, because this isn't my budget. And she said, what's your budget? I told her my budget. She said, you pick any dress, I do budget. And this is where we don't have to worry. And we went and stayed with my aunt and uncle that night. And I have been praying for a while to have a keyboard at home, um, an electric piano, so that I don't bother my family all the time with the bashings of the acoustic one. I just wanted to be able to plug headphones in and I'd been speaking to the Lord about that. And so this very same weekend, we went to stay with my aunt and uncle and to cut a long story short, he'd been thinking about giving or or maybe moving on his beautiful Yamaha electric piano and he asked me if I would like it. So I drove home that weekend with a very expensive dress that I hadn't paid the right price for and an electric piano. (laughs) This is the goodness of God. We're going to take communion.
And I would like to ask you to have a really good look at your heart because I want to ask you, are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Because here's the thing, you will be filled. And if we could please just have a few moments, I just want to play a song because it really is the whole journey of everything I have poured my whole heart into this morning and tried to present to you who he is and what his righteous works do. And it's always about relationship. It's never earned. It's given from kind hands. So just if we can take this moment to take communion together, and I just would love you to listen to the lyrics of this song. God for me. Oh, that was abrupt, wasn't it? <laughs> You're back. I just want to put out an invitation. It's an invitation that's been going out since 700 BC. It came from the lips of the prophet Isaiah. And it's the invitation that went out to me all those years ago when I first smelt bread. And I caught it and I responded. If you don't know Jesus this morning, if you don't know the righteousness that I have been speaking about and the goodness I've been speaking about, I'd just like to give you this very original invitation. Isaiah 55. This is to you this morning if you're hungry. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you who have no money. Come, buy, eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fear. That's fear, F-A-R-E, by the way, not F-E-A-R. Give ear and come to me and listen that you might live. If that's you this morning, 
you'd like to know Jesus, you'd like to have him right now fill your heart with a love that you've never known, the love you've been looking for your whole life, I'm gonna pray a quick prayer. Pray along in your heart with me. And then at the end, I'm gonna ask you just to quietly raise your hand so that we know who has received the offer of bread this morning. Lord Jesus, we just so thank you for who you are and all you do. You truly are the bread of life. You truly are righteousness himself. Lord, I invite you this morning. I am saying, give me bread. I receive you now. I thank you that your work on the cross means I can have freedom from sin. You clean me off and you make me new. I make you savior. And you will prove to me how very good you are and you will be my Lord. And I pray this this morning with my whole hungry heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you, I'm just gonna count to three and at three, I'd love you just to slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you, bless you. Bless you, thank you. Come to Jesus, all you who are weary, all you who are hungry. Anyone, thank you, I see that, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.